All right. <clears throat> Is this on? Did I put it on right? Okay. So we're going to look at verse 16. <clears throat> Divisiveness comes from equality, I believe. Inequality. In Christ we are all, all equal, so why is it then so difficult to be united as well? I believe one key ingredient in this is the practice and cultivation of humility. We were speaking recently at home about the huge emphasis in the Bible to be unified as believers, but also to be peaceable with, with everyone. When Romans was written, it was a time when Rome was raining persecution down on believers and against the church. Jews and Gentiles, for the first time in history, had to work past generations of ingrained disdain for each other to, to come together in one church. Not to mention that ancient society was built on a, a caste class system. One third of the entire world's population were slaves. It's in these times where they had to carve out a sense of unity with a lot of sweat and tears. I want to read the last two verses as well from last week and then verse 16 that we're going to look at today together this morning. Um, and just to see these few verses as... Um, parts of a bigger whole that talk about unity. In fact, most of our Christian experience, most of this definitive summary of what it looks like to live out our faith has to do with relational things and unity. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind one towards another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not pretend to be wiser than you are. Lord, I pray that we may receive the word this morning. I pray that we can listen attently and meditate on these words and, uh, and truly carry it with us so that we may apply it and live by it. In Jesus' name, amen. So we must ask ourselves, is it any different today? We know unity is essential, but do we really have to retread the same ground? The circumstances might not be the same, but yes, I do believe that it is a continual... Um, fight. The same issues of disunity are still there, or that prevent unity, rather. It essentially comes down to this. Our pride or arrogance can derail our common goals as a church and the unity that we hold. Have you ever seen those ant colonies? There's many different species of ants that do this. But when floodwaters rise, uh, they form rafts.
shots out of their their own bodies. And they, the queen is in the middle, and, and and it's incredible to see hundreds of thousands of ants form this big mass so that they can survive. Do you think something like that would be possible if one ant is clinging to the next ant and think, oh man, he smells a bit weird, or his nose is a bit crooked, or oh, he doesn't earn as much money as me, so, or whatever. They wouldn't be able to do what they do, okay? I think that's such a, such a great example of um, how tiny things can be so divisive. So uh, let's keep that image in the back of our head, okay? As we continue to look at the summary of our Christian experience, how we live out our faith, in verse 16, we are confronted yet again by an exhortation to, the, to unity. This time it begins on a very personal level. Um, and these are some of the areas we can consider to cultivate Humility for the sake of unity. By sharing the same values. By walking the same roads. And by thinking through the same problems. So let's consider the first part of the three-sentence verse. It says, be of the same mind one towards another. The fact is, as a church... We are joined by the hip in a metaphorical sense. If we don't have the same values as well as the same goals, I believe there will be divisiveness. Let me give you an example, and we'll go back to the three-legged race, okay? Let's say um, <clears throat> two people are now, their legs are tied together in the middle, they're going to do a three-legged race, okay? but the one is much fitter than the other, okay? And let's say it's not a straight road to the goal. They both have the same goal. Let's say there are, many, there are several paths they can take to reach the goal, okay? <clears throat> so the fitter guy suggests, let's go this way. It's the shortest way, but it's filled with inclines and steep um, things that really test a person's endurance, okay? And so he gets dragged along, uh, and it's the, they arrive, but the unfit guy is barely alive, you know. And, and the fit, why didn't you pick up the pace, man? You're dragging us down. What's going on? They have the same goal, <clears throat> but there was an inconsideration there. They were not of the same mind. Let's take that example further, okay? Because um, there can be issues on both sides. Very literally, okay? I'm not allegorizing it yet. <clears throat> Just think about the example in front of you. The fit guy is afraid of the dark, afraid of confined spaces, okay? So the unfit guy says, this road is straighter, but there's, you have to go through a dark tunnel to get to the end. And now this one's pulling this way, and this one's pulling this way. And they're not getting anything done. What does it mean to be of one mind? To have not only the same goals, but 
take into account or value each other's weaknesses as well as each other's strengths. Let's make a compromise. Even though this third way might be the longest way, there's a few inclines, yes, but it's not as bad as that one. There's a few narrow gaps there, you know, where you would have to suck in your breath, but it's not as bad as this way. And we make this compromise for each other. So you, you'd be out of breath a little bit when you get to the end, and you'd have to have gone through a few narrow pieces. But because we share the same values, we got to our goal in unity. This is like the church. We're all tied together, and the ways before us are a representation of the sum of the combination of all of our weaknesses and all of our strengths put together. And there's a thousand different directions we can take. And there's shortcuts and dead ends and um, mergers and splits to get to the one goal that we all share, which is the purpose of the church and our service in Christ's name. <clears throat> So let us be of one mind. And not only consider our strengths, but our weaknesses as well. Pastors are notoriously bad managers. Did you know that? <laughs> um, we can set up a ministry and get people excited, but don't ask us to schedule a meeting once a month. We'll lose track. We are aware of each other's weaknesses so we can be of one mind. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 corroborates this idea. It says, Now I ask you, brothers, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we all speak in agreement and that there be no divisions among you, but be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgments. In other words, the same decisions. It's been my hope for this church and um, trying to get as much feedback as possible so that I'm not making decisions independent of the church's needs and your concerns. The next one, walking the same roads. So the next sentence in that verse, verse 16, is do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. So the word haughty means to be excessively proud of oneself. Vanity and arrogance could both be side effects of the sin. The cure, in the church at least, is to, uh, as it's suggested here, to close this gap in a very practical way. He says, associate with the lowly. We have time to consider the words in more detail 
uh, in these shorter passages. So I mentioned in a few verses earlier that the word cleave is also sometimes used as association. When Jesus associated with the sinners, it, it used the word cleave. Okay? But in, in the passage here, it uses a completely different word. And I love the visual connotations to some of these words. It reminds me of Afrikaans, where it's a, it's a very visual language. Uh, have you heard that? Okay. The visual idea here is that we are carried along with the lowly. If you imagine going down a, ra a lazy river, or even better, um, a throng of people moving in the same direction, and, and you're following along. To associate in that way, that means to tread the same ground, to walk the same roads. What does that look like practically? Um, let's say you only shop brands. You you don't you don't um, you don't buy clothing at Pick and Pay or or Pet. Or you only shop brands. But everyone else in the church doesn't. We're Pick and Pay clothing people. And there is a danger of you being guilty of this. If you're not willing to relent <laughs> for the sake of the unity of the church, go buy a few things at Pick and Pay Clothing. It seems like a silly example. It seems like a trivial example, and I don't think it would apply here. I don't... I'm using a, a facetious example, but it would come down to something as practical as that. There's a church in Johannesburg that had a hard time with this, actually. The church began in a community that consisted of white-collared workers, upper middle class, um, but over the years, the, the demographic changed. It became working class. It became 20-year-olds um, that were breadwinners of a family of five. It became um, uh, the demographic of the community shifted. And the church decided to stay in this community and serve the community that was in front of them. They didn't want to um, uh, f f serve a community that didn't exist in their community more, so they changed the way they did some of their ministries to better serve the working class that were now attending their church. Some of the older families looked around and said, we don't want to be in this church anymore. People were going to church with, and they left. That's a true story. And this is what this verse is talking about. The third thing, thinking through the same problems. 
It says, do not pretend to be wiser than you are. Some other translations would say, um, do not be wise in yourself. From the context, I don't think it's drawing a line to verses like, lean not on your own understanding. <clears throat> That's true. I do think, though, it's more referring to uh, verses like what we find in James 3, verse 13. Let me read it. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show his works by his good life in meekness and wisdom, in humility and wisdom. James 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, then gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruit, without partiality and without hypocrisy. So it's no coincidence that wisdom is uh, mentioned here. Um, you know that saying of the tomato, knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad. You know that? It's, it's, it's true. <laughs> it's more talking about common sense. Biblical wisdom is always, in this case as we read in James, is defined by its relational values. Wisdom is seen when we interact with other people in these ways. And it says humility. And it says without partiality. So when we read in, in verse 16, do not be wise in yourself, it fits perfectly there and it makes sense that it's there. When we think through a problem as a church, do we get on the phone and say, listen, I need your help. You are wise in this area. Can you help me? <clears throat> when we think through a problem, do we sit down together and discuss it? Do we say, no one person can, can do this alone. We need our collective wisdoms and we need to lean on each other um, to, to get this done. I, I'm, I'm not wise <laughs> when I say that I don't need any help. These are the three ways that we can begin to cultivate humility for the sake of our unity. <clears throat> so finally, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, it echoes our passage today of verse 14, 15, and 16 in an almost uncanny way. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, it's one verse. And look at the similarities. Finally, all of you be like-minded and sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be tender-hearted and humble. This morning, take this verse home with you. Compare it to Romans 12. Meditate on it. 
think about in what ways we can grow the unity of this church and come back to me. <laughs> These are practical things that are meant to strengthen us and the relationships we have with each other. Don't neglect them. And if a practical change is needed in this church, then let's make the practical change. Dear Lord, we are so thankful for your love, for your example, and for your grace. We cannot do anything in our own power, Lord, even cultivating humility. We are so bound with, with pride. I pray that you may help us wrestle with it. You may help us strive to be more humble, to be more peaceable, to see the reason and, and understand our fellow Christian to find a middle ground so that we may go from there. In Jesus' name.